0: What is up, everyone? It's Quinn here, and in today's video, I'm gonna be diving into my top 30 running back rankings for redraft fantasy football. So the last set of running back rankings I did was top 24, we're going to bump that up to top 30, so add some new players in here. There've also been some shakeups, you know, we've got some contract stuff going on with guys like Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs. We've also just had a few tweaks, you know, within that top 24, and then also be splitting these players up into different tiers to kind of let you know what buckets I'm putting these running backs into. As always, I want to know what you guys are thinking about these rankings. Who do you think should be higher? Who do you think should be lower? How are we feeling about the tiers? Let me know down below and I'll make sure to get back to you as soon as I can. And then these rankings are going to be more focused for like PPR, half point PPR scoring. So just kind of keep that in mind, you know, throughout the video but let's jump right into it. We're going to start off with tier one, and I'm just going to list out all the players at the beginning of the tier and then kind of dive into it. So tier one, we've got Christian McCaffrey, Bijan Robinson, and Austin Eckler. For me, these guys are pretty much locked in as like my top three running backs. I do think there's kind of room for variance outside of this tier, but my tier one is pretty set in terms of the guys in it. I think you could have an argument for Bijan versus Austin Eckler. Um, You know, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But right now, I feel like these are the three guys that are going to be my tier one heading into week one of the NFL season. I start off with Christian McCaffrey. We know of all the active players in the NFL, he's going to have the highest ceiling of any running back for fantasy. This is the guy who's averaged 29.3 points per game over a full season. I think really the only main concern here for Christian McCaffrey is the splits that we had with Elijah Mitchell in the lineup. So, with Mitchell in the lineup, Christian McCaffrey averaged 15.3 PPR points per game compared to 28.2 without. So, that's definitely like a pretty extreme difference here. And I do think there may be some frustrating moments throughout the season where it's like the 49ers are up big in a game, McCaffrey's workload kind of gets capped, they want to preserve him throughout the season. Or we'll get like an Elijah Mitchell goal line carry here or there, which I understand it's gonna be frustrating. You want McCaffrey to have all the touchdown upside, you want him to have this massive workload. But just looking back at it, like I'm not someone who's gonna sour on Christian McCaffrey because of a four game sample size playing with Elijah Mitchell. Plus, on the other end, like the games where Elijah Mitchell wasn't playing, 28.2 points per game, there's no other running back in the league who's gonna do that. So I'm still all on board with Christian McCaffrey as my number one uh, running back. I understand there's like this one kind of concern, but I still think he's gonna be my uh, top dog moving forward. And then with Bijan and Austin Eckler, um, I think it's really close. And I really could go either way. Obviously, Austin Eckler has been really solid over the past two seasons, back-to-back 21.5 and 21.9 point-per-game seasons. I think he's probably gonna see somewhat of a dip in his receiving volume, just with the fact that this wide receiver core is likely gonna be healthier. And even if Allen or Williams are banged up, you've got a guy like Quinton Johnston, who's gonna be a massive upgrade over like the wide receiver depth they had last season. But I still think is gonna be a really strong pass catcher with a lot of touchdown upside. And then for Bijan Robinson, I'm guessing most people aren't gonna love him here at number two over Eckler. I think the unknown is kind of scaring people away a little bit. Um, I get you probably want to see him like out on the NFL field. What's the workload gonna be like before you go out and spend a round one fantasy pick on him. The thing here with Bijan Robinson though is that like if you take a wait and see approach and he puts together the season, I expect him to put together you're never gonna be able to draft him as a mid to late first round pick ever again. Like if he goes out and pays off this year, he's gonna be an early first round pick next year. So it's not like you're gonna have the opportunity to draft him at the same price. When we look back at the last five running backs that were picked top 10 in the NFL draft. All of them were running back ones in point per game in their rookie season. So, you know, top 12 running backs. Saquon was the running back two in points per game. Lenny was the RB7. CMC was the RB12. And that was the lowest season of the last five. But I do want to point out that that was kind of like a known committee heading into the season. Um, People didn't think CMC was going to come in and have this massive workload um, from year one. Zeke was the RB3. And then Todd Gurley was the RB5. And we've also seen like high ceiling seasons. Saquon averaged 24.1 points per game. That would have clearly been the running back one last year. Zeke at 21.7, you know, also would be a guy who challenges for RB1 status today. Cause we haven't seen like these insane running back seasons over the last few years. So this is the type of production that's gonna be competitive for a running back one overall. I'm willing to kind of buy into the unknown here with Bijan Robinson, Falcons, super run heavy team, Bijan can also catch passes, so I'm very in on Bijan Robinson, but I'm also not going to pretend like I don't understand why you would pick Eckler over him, it is really close between those two dudes, and I think I have them back to back in my uh, overall rankings. Now shifting into tier two, and this is one of the tiers that's experienced just a little bit of a shakeup here. I believe originally this tier was just Jonathan Taylor and Saquon Barkley the last time I did this video. Now tier two is going to be Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor, Tony Pollard, and Saquon Barkley. So Chubb and Pollard both jump into this tier. Nick Chubb is actually going to jump Barkley and JT. Pollard comes in, jumps Saquon Barkley. I just keep getting more and more interested in Nick Chubb here. Since he's become like a full-time starter, his floor has been the RB10 in points per game. And the reason why I haven't been all in on him for fantasy is I didn't think he had that ceiling. I feel like now in 2023, Chubb has the opportunity to increase his workload both on the ground and and in the air, that potential upside kind of frees me up to leap Nick Chubb over a guy like Jonathan Taylor, who I feel like is a similar archetype of running back. And then we have Saquon with his contract issues. So I'm also just kind of willing to jump uh, Chubb over Saquon Barkley. Then we have Jonathan Taylor. And I still really like JT as a bounce back guy. Like me moving Chubb over him is not an indictment on Jonathan Taylor. I think he's going to handle an ultra efficient workload on the ground, especially if Richardson is the quarterback. But I think the more, you know, I kind of look into it, I'm not going to like tank JT's value if Richardson is the quarterback, but I think his receiving work is probably going to be capped. And I think maybe the touchdowns take a little bit of a hit because you're going to have Richardson involved at the goal line. So that doesn't mean that I'm fading off of him, but it just kind of allows me to put Nick Chubb over him because I just think those are issues that Nick Chubb may not have to deal with. Um, And then moving over to Tony Pollard, I will continue to be super high on Tony Pollard pretty much as long as the Cowboys running back room stays the way it is right now. This dude finished as the running back nine in points per game last year with a 48% opportunity share. He was getting less than half of the backfield opportunities for the Cowboys and was a top 10 fantasy running back. Now he's standing by himself on the top of this depth chart. The current running back two is Malik Davis, who was an undrafted free agent last season who had 38 total carries on the year. I think Pollard has the opportunity to put together a monster season, and even if they Bring in a running back like Zeke again or someone like that. I still think I'll be very in on Tony Pollard. You know, maybe he drops into like tier three, but I really do just believe he's going to be the guy this year. And then the final player in this tier, Saquon Barkley, I don't really know, you know, what quite to make of this contract situation. There's obviously some level of risk that he holds out, like Le'Veon Bell style, but I just don't really think that's super unlikely. Like, just looking at it logically, right? He wants to get this big contract. The problem is teams probably aren't going to pay him this big money at the running back position. It's just the way it is. So now you're losing an entire year where you could be making money. I just don't know if that would be the smartest decision. I'm actually more concerned for like later on in the season. You know, maybe something happens with the Giants. They're not looking great to miss the playoffs. And then Saquon's kind of like end of the year. Why am I going to be giving you max effort in the fantasy playoffs like week 16, week 17? if I'm not even going to be here next season, or you're not going to pay me. I think that's honestly more of the concern I have than them kind of missing time early on in the season. But let me know what you guys think. Like this is still kind of fresh news. So how are you guys feeling about these holdouts? Do you think they miss any games? You think they're going to miss early on in the season? You think they're going to miss later in the season? Let me know down below because I am kind of interested in hearing everyone's thoughts on that. Now shifting into tier three, we're going to start it off with Brees Hall, then Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Ramondre Stevenson, and Jameer Gibbs. I do think this was a tier that I really, really liked like a few weeks ago. I think it's still a decent tier, but I definitely think it's taken a hit since my uh, last set of rankings. We started off with Brees Hall, who uh, starts training camp on the pup list. This does not mean he's not going to be ready to go week one. I think Sala came out and pretty much said like they want to do right by him, they want to be conservative but they're still optimistic he'll be back in week one. Obviously, like in a perfect scenario, you'd prefer that he's not on the pup list to start off training camp, but it is what it is. I'm still going to hold my ranking of him here as the RB8, and then we'll kind of reevaluate if we have some negative news moving forward. But I still truly believe that he is going to rival for running back one overall over like the back half of the season once he's fully locked in. Um, Then we've got Derrick Henry, and I think he's probably like one of two running backs in this tier that didn't get hit with negative news over the past week or so. I'd say if anything, like signing D-Hop is probably a net positive for Derrick Henry, just because I think the offense as a whole is going to get better, right? You don't want teams just locking in on the run game because there's no weapons on that offense. In Derrick Henry's last three healthy seasons, he's averaged 196 20.8 and 18.9 points per game. If he doesn't regress this season, he's gonna end up being a value. But I also just think we cannot deny the fact that he has handled a massive number of opportunities throughout his career. He has 174 more touches than the next highest active player. So regression is gonna happen. And I'm just not super excited to be the guy who's holding the bag, um, you know, ahead of any of the eight other running backs. I'm still willing to take Derrick Henry, I have a lot of Derrick Henry on underdog, but that's where he's going, like, early round three. I'm just not going to be willing to take Derrick Henry at, like, the one-two turn, given the fact that, you know, a fall-off could happen here, and just due to the fact that I do like a lot of the running backs I have ranked ahead of him. Then we've got Josh Jacobs, pretty much, like, in the same boat as uh, Saquon Barkley. I think the difference, though, for Jacobs is that I kind of talked about the risk of Saquon kind of, you know, wrapping it up towards the end of the season. I feel like that risk is a lot more prevalent for Josh Jacobs because I think the Raiders are pretty unlikely to be involved in like the playoff race whereas I think the Giants you know probably are going to be a playoff team so I could easily see Josh Jacobs week 15, 16, 17 you know like ah ankles feeling a little banged up, you know probably just going to rest these last few games. I feel like that is a possibility. So that's something we're just going to have to continue to monitor. If you're someone who's like, I just don't really want to get involved with this contract stuff. Like I'm just going to pass on these players. I also don't really uh, blame you. It's just kind of a weird situation here. And then we've got Ramondre Stevenson and I've kind of been lower on Ramondre than consensus all off season. And to be totally honest, like it didn't really feel great because I would lay it out. Like everything looks like Ramondre Stevenson is going to be a workhorse in this offense. But I just like couldn't shake the fear of Bill Belichick turning this into some sort of committee. Unfortunately, over the last week or so, we have heard now that the Patriots have interest in both Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette. I don't believe that like the current forms of those running backs are going to come in and take Ramondre Stevenson's job. But it does just seem like it's becoming much more likely that Bill Belichick is just going to force a committee on this backfield, right? Like, you don't sign Dalvin Cook and then just not play him. Like, I don't think he's signing up for that. Leonard Fournette, same thing. Like, he could probably go to a few different contenders. He's going to want to play, and I just think it definitely takes a hit to Ramondre's value now that there's, like, a built-in running back who's just going to become a nuisance, like, to Ramondre Stevenson throughout the season. So I still think he's a Tier 3 option, and obviously, like, one of these guys haven't been signed yet. But it does kind of seem inevitable that there's going to be some competition in this backfield. And then the final guy in this tier is going to be Jameer Gibbs. Um, still sticking strong with Gibbs in tier three. I'm expecting a really strong receiving role out of him and a decent workload on the ground, also. Uh, I feel like we're kind of looking for like a Camara, Ingram, CMC, Jonathan Stewart 2017 split where both those guys were running back ones as rookies, you know, but still in committees of their offenses. So that's going to wrap it up for tier three. Now shifting into tier four, we've got a three-man tier. We've got Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, and Joe Mixon. I feel pretty confident about the players like that I've put into this tier. Like I think these three players belong in tier four, but I do go back and forth on like how these guys should be ordered. I will say that if Mixon does not get hit with a suspension, I'd probably have him leading this tier. But the fact that there's like some uncertainty with that, he's gonna be, you know, third among these three players. And then I keep going back and forth on Travis Etienne and uh, Najee Harris. Like in a vacuum, I believe that Etienne is the better overall player. He's statistically been a much better pure runner compared to Najee Harris. They were both solid pass catchers in college. The problem I have with Etienne is just like this current coaching regime. It's not the same regime that drafted him. His receiving usage last year was really, really underwhelming. And this is like the current coaching staff and front office that has just brought in Tank Bigsby. So they're probably pretty high on Tank Bigsby. We saw Najee have a huge workload his rookie season, and he's still going to be attached to the coaches that brought him in. But he also just hasn't proven to be as good of a player as Travis Etienne has. So I'm still going to be ranking Etienne ahead. I think he has the offensive ceiling um, you know, for the Jaguars, but I don't really love either at their current price, if I'm being totally honest. Um, like I've seen these guys go pretty consistently, like, early, mid, maybe late round three. I'm not even going to consider these guys before late third round, like three, four turns. So probably not going to have a ton of shares, but that's where I have these guys in tier four. Now moving into tier five, we've got JK Dobbins, Aaron Jones, Damian Pierce, and Kenneth Walker. I absolutely love J.K. Dobbins this season. He's already proven himself to be a fantastic pure runner. He's two years removed now from his ACL tear, and I think he has the opportunity to add some receiving work with new offensive coordinator Todd Munkin coming in. We have Aaron Jones, who has averaged 14.3 or more points per game since 2018. He has a big quarterback downgrade from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love, but I still think he's someone who should be viewed as like a mid-tier RB2. Then we have Damian Pierce, and I'm honestly surprised that Pierce isn't getting more love this offseason. He seemed to be like a total fantasy darling throughout his rookie year. Even before the season, I feel like people were super high on him once like that backfield was kind of opening up. He finished as the RB20 in points per game, so his production was solid, and now he's heading into year two with a better supporting cast around him. I think people are concerned about Devin Singletary, but this is kind of the way I view it. If Devin Singletary ends up taking away work from Damian Pierce, like Damian Pierce was never that guy to begin with. I believe that Pierce is way more talented than Devin Singletary. I honestly view Devin Singletary as just kind of like a guy, you know, on an NFL roster. I don't think he's this super talented running back. So maybe the Texans try to force this into some sort of committee. It is a different coaching staff than the one that brought in Damian Pierce. But if we're just going talent for talent, I don't think Damian Pierce is going to have you know, a huge problem beating out Devin Singletary here. And then to wrap up this tier, going to have Kenneth Walker, definitely going to be lower on Kenneth Walker than consensus. I just really, really struggle to see the Seahawks spending a round two pick on a running back that's really solid draft capital, and then just not using that running back. I think at the very least, Charbonnet is going to take the receiving work. But even then, like, are you spending a round two pick the year after you drafted Walker in round two, and then you're just going to use that round two running back as like a third down guy? Like, I feel like you could have found someone to fill that role on day three. Looking at Kenneth Walker, I personally think he's a very good runner, but there's also no denying that he is definitely like a boomer bust running back. He had the 11th most carries last season. He had the third most breakaway runs, but he also had the fourth most stuff runs, I think it's possible the Seahawks are looking for a more consistent runner. I think Charbonnet could be that guy. So I think there's also risk of Kenneth Walker losing goal line work and just like a certain chunk of the carries, right? Like maybe he's not 16, 17, 18 carries per game. Maybe he's more 13, 14. And I think that's a massive hit to him fantasy-wise, especially if he's not getting receiving work. Um, I just feel like if the Seahawks really loved Kenneth Walker and were super committed to him and were overly impressed, why are you spending another second round pick you know, at his position the year after you got him? So that's why I'm gonna be lower on Kenneth Walker. Now shifting into a very, very large tier six, we're gonna go James Conner, Alexander Madison, Cam Akers, Rashad White, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, Javante Williams, and DeAndre Swift. This is pretty much like the tier... Of running backs with hypothetical upside and kind of ambiguous situations. We're not exactly sure what their roles are going to look like. The main change I made um, in this kind of tier since the last set of rankings was significantly dropping Miles Sanders. I think he might have been leading this tier early on. And I feel like I kind of had him up there because I was already lower on him than consensus. And I didn't want to just like tank his ranking compared to where he was being drafted, you know, in fantasy drafts. I just don't really get why the overall fantasy community is so high on him. Like I get he's kind of being pushed as like, "Oh, he's going to be this three-down workhorse." But could we not make the same argument for pretty much any of these other running backs? Like James Conner was a three-down workhorse towards the end of last season, Madison could step into that Dalvin Cook role. Cam Akers, like what else is going on at the running back position with the uh, Rams, Rashad White, same argument could be made there. Like, I feel like we could make that just three down workhorse argument for a lot of these guys. But then when we really break it down for Miles Sanders here, the most carries per game he's averaged in a season is 15. If he averaged 15, I'd be very solid with that. He's also just coming off of a horrific receiving season where I feel like people view Miles Sanders as like this great pass catching back. The dude averaged 0.37 yards per route run. That is unbelievably bad. And you can make the argument like, oh, Eagles don't pass to their pass catchers, or sorry, they don't pass to their running backs. Kenneth Gainwell, the other pass catching running back in that backfield was at 1.17 yards per route run. So a massive difference between those two guys. Um, I'd rather go after a guy like James Conner, who has been a proven workhorse over the past two seasons on the same offense, in the same situation. We've got Alexander Madison, who has that same like three down workload kind of claim, but is on a better offense. And in theory is stepping in for Dalvin Cook, who had that workload. Cam Akers, we saw him used in a big role down the stretch last season and found a lot of success. Rashad White also has a wide open backfield. And I think personally is just more equipped to handle that three down workload, especially the fact that I just think he's a better pass catcher straight up. So this is not me trying to like, you know, dump on Miles Sanders here, but this is a guy who's going within a round of Aaron Jones, Kenneth Walker, J.K. Dobbins on Underdog Fantasy Football, and the dude is going ahead of Damian Pierce, and I just don't quite get it. Like, if you guys have the argument for Miles Sanders, let me know. I just don't really think I understand why he's so firmly ahead of these other guys who I think we could make that same claim that they could be third down backs but I think these guys have actually kind of showcased it on their offenses, at least at some point. So, you know, let me know why uh, the Miles Sanders hype is so crazy this season. Um, And then moving over to David Montgomery, I'm honestly kind of coming around on David Montgomery here. I'm very high on Jameer Gibbs. And I think I originally thought that meant that I'd kind of have to be out on David Montgomery, right? Like in on the one running back out on the other one, if they're in a committee, I think in general, I'm just realizing that I'm very in on this backfield. One of you guys commented on one of my other videos talking about the uh, total fantasy points per game of the Lions backfield. I went in, did the math, and uh, last year's backfield for the Lions averaged 29.4 PPR points per game. I think you're looking at uh, this year's running back room compared to last year's. I honestly think you upgrade in both spots. I view Gibbs as the better player over DeAndre Swift, and I think David Montgomery is the better player over uh, Jamal Williams. So I think they were already a really solid backfield last year. I think you upgrade in both spots. I think in general, their offense as a whole is just going to be better. And I do think we're in a spot here where both the running backs can pay off at their price. I don't think it has to just be one running back. And then I think you also have like the extra like kind of handcuff value here where if Jameer Gibbs gets hurt, David Montgomery could pick up some receiving work. If David Montgomery gets hurt, Jameer Gibbs can pick up some more work on the ground. So I think both these guys end up being solid picks for fantasy. Then we've got Javante Williams here. And I feel like his season is really just going to come down to his injury recovery. If he gets healthy and retains the starting spot, I think he'll absolutely smash his ADP. But there's also the downside of him like never getting back to 100% and kind of suffering the uh, same fate that J.K. Dobbins did last year, where he's you know missing a few games to start off the season. Then he comes back, he's limited, then he needs another knee surgery. Like We don't want to get into that cycle again here with Javante Williams, but you're just kind of going to have to risk it for that upside there. And then we've got DeAndre Swift, and I'm definitely going to be much lower on Swift than consensus. I think a lot of people would have him in their top 24. I do not. And this is not me being low on DeAndre Swift, the player. Like, I was super in on him last year. And if you do have him higher, I'm not going to push back a ton. I just think in general, people are kind of overrating the Eagles as a landing spot. And in theory, I get it. Like, the Eagles have a great run game. They bring in DeAndre Swift, who is a running back. You would think like, oh, this should be a perfect fit. But when we look at DeAndre Swift's greatest strength, it's his pass catching work. He's caught 45 plus passes for 350 plus yards in his three NFL seasons. So that's really where he kind of gives you the upside at the running back position and i think an argument could actually be made that even though he's been super consistent as a pass catcher, he's actually probably like been underutilized with the lions. It just seemed like they never really got on board with him to be their guy at the running back position. The problem is is that he's going to an offense that just straight up does not pass to their running backs. The eagles had the fewest pass attempts to running backs last season, at only 61. To put that into perspective, that 61 number, DeAndre Swift missed three games last season and was targeted 70 times. So in 14 games, DeAndre Swift was targeted more than every single Eagles running back over their 17 games last season. And it's not like the Eagles just had you know, a running back room full of dudes who couldn't catch. The Eagles had Kenneth Gainwell, who caught 51 passes for 610 yards in his um, final season in college. So Kenneth Gainwell is a very, very strong college pass catcher. They didn't really shake up their offense to kind of accommodate him. So I'm not expecting them to do anything different with DeAndre Swift. Like I don't think they're going to override their offense to get Swift more involved as a pass catcher. Maybe they scheme up some screens for him, but in general, I just don't think the Eagles offense lines up with DeAndre Swift's strengths. And then he's going to have to be competing with guys like Rashad Penny and Kenneth Gainwell on the ground. And I just think a healthy Rashad Penny is going to be the clear top candidate you know, to take over on the ground. And I also do just believe the Eagles really like Kenneth Gainwell. So overall, I just don't think Swift has really guaranteed anything on this offense. And I just don't know how this landing spot is going to shake out. And I'm not a huge fan of it. Now, shifting into the final tier, tier seven, we're going to go with Alvin Kamara, James Cook, and Isaiah Pacheco. I think Kamara will jump up at least one tier if he doesn't get hit with the suspension, but like potentially missing a significant chunk of the season is definitely going to have to kind of lower his ranking here. I still do think he's undervalued, like where he's currently being picked. Um, then we look at James Cook, who's kind of in a unique spot because he really hasn't proven much in the NFL. But I also feel like he's a part of a wide open backfield on one of the best offenses in the NFL, which can definitely be valuable. And then to wrap up this tier, I went with Isaiah Pacheco. I'm definitely going to be lower on Pacheco than consensus. I kind of feel like where he's being drafted right now, it's like he's guaranteed the bulk of the carries for the Chiefs. And I think people are forgetting that a big part of like Pacheco firmly taking over last year was the fact that CEH suffered a high ankle sprain. Now the tide was like definitely starting to turn in week 10 where Pacheco took on a bigger workload and CEH was pretty much non-existent. Um, But I do think CEH going down with that injury just kind of cemented it for Pacheco throughout the rest of the season. And I'm not saying that CEH is going to come in here and like handle a massive workload for the Chiefs, but I also wouldn't be surprised if this is just like some sort of gross committee here. Plus, I think like even best case scenario pacheco is like an early down grinder on a pass heavy offense who's not going to be involved as a pass catcher and then at that point like you're banking on double digit touchdowns which i don't love like especially we saw last year um mckinnon was the guy who racked up a ton of the touchdowns it wasn't isaiah pacheco i just think there's a lot of different routes for this to you know kind of not pay off And I feel like the one way he pays off at his ADP is like he just goes berserk in the touchdown department. It's just not really something I want to bet on here. And then I did just want to give one honorable mention to uh, Zach Charbonnet. I honestly would consider ranking Charbonnet over uh, Isaiah Pacheco, but I do have Pacheco in there right now. So that's going to wrap it up for my uh, top 30 running backs. I want to know what you guys think. Who's too high? Who's too low? How are we feeling about the tiers? As always, thank you all for stopping by. Uh, Stay tuned for my top 30 wide receivers tomorrow, and then I'll have quarterbacks, tight ends, overall rankings after that. But thank you again, and I will see you all in the next one.